When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right. Welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. We promised a loaded edition on a Friday with a tailgate. Here we go. Patty Gasso coming up in mere moments to preview the Big 12 championship. We'll get you ready for the Sooner men's tennis team in the Sweet 16 trying to earn a berth in the Elite Eight and a huge series for baseball. It's Bedlam, Friday in Tulsa, Saturday in Oklahoma City, Sunday here in Norman. So we are slammed. But before we bring on Coach Gasso, just a reminder, you can find Old episodes, archived episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. Thank you so much for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. And thank you for spreading the word on social media. Well, it was another incredible regular season for the Oklahoma Sooner softball team as they become the first ever team to win back-to-back Big 12 titles by finishing the season undefeated. That's right. First time in school history, first time it's ever happened in conference history. The Sooners, 18-0 last year, 18-0 this year. They won 38 consecutive games, and they head into a huge weekend in the Big 12 tournament, which will open up at 2 o'clock on Friday against Texas Tech, 7.30 on Friday night against Kansas, and then potentially a 4 o'clock showdown in the championship game against likely Oklahoma State or Texas. But as we welcome in, Sooner Big 12 Coach of the Year, Patty Gasso. Let's start there. Awards. The Sooners, again, we're talking about firsts, become the first team ever to sweep all of the regular season Big 12 awards. Sid Romero, Player of the Year. G. Juarez, Pitcher of the Year. Kaylee Clifton, Defensive Player of the Year. Grace Green, Freshman of the Year. And as we mentioned, Patty Gasso, Coach of the Year. Coach, obviously, you celebrate these awards, but... I think it's also something to where it's not the end. I mean, we're just getting started really in this season. So how do you balance saying, hey, congratulations, you deserve this, but then also there is there is more to accomplish? Yeah, I, most definitely. They deserve it. 
they, they've had great seasons, both in the Big 12 and overall. So uh, people are paying attention, and you're right. We don't – I think one of the first things I said to them um, yesterday was, congratulations for all of you that won Big 12 awards. Now get over it and let's skip back over. <laughs> so nice. I think that's one of the things that's important is that you – sometimes – players get caught up in that or they want to prove that they're deserving and that's one of the things I said is you don't have to prove it you've already done it so it's done just let's move forward and so it's not I'm not trying to make light of it or little of it because it is a great accomplishment when you're talking about a very tough big 12 conference Um, so I'm proud of them and uh, looking forward to like you said mayhem and and hopefully on to the College World Series. What adjustments, if any, are made? And, I, I, Coach, I don't remember if all the games were played on that Integris field and the auxiliary fields before, but does it change anything for you knowing that we won't be playing in the Hall of Fame Stadium this weekend? To be honest, it's a little uncomfortable because I don't know exactly what this setup is going to look like. Uh, there's not a lot of room for fans and that's why it sold out so quickly. So it's not going to be the star status. It's a, a field that is much um, smaller dugout and things like that. It's just going to be different. Um, I don't know the playing surface, how that's going to be. And what we've just found out yesterday is that we, um, we're not going to be – no teams are going to be able to practice on the field because of the rain. Oh. And so you don't even get to feel it out prior to, you know, getting on it. So it, there's some question marks, but the show must go on, and I'm glad that it's in Oklahoma City. I'm sure that Big 12 and the Hall of Fame State is going to do their best to put together, you know, something that is worthy of this championship. I know, again, I know you're not big on stats, but when you look at numbers, <laughs> Sid Romero, Kaylee Clifton, Fale of you, uh, having career years at the plate. Oh, they're also seniors. What have you seen that's kind of driven them? And I hate to use the term clicked because they've always been good, but it's almost as if all three of them have found another level offensively. And I'll single out Fale too, defensively. I mean, she's become a really good defensive left fielder as well. Yeah, I, I agree, and I guess I would say that each one of them has had a time in their career, and I think the end of last season and the way it finished, I think all of those three could tell you that they weren't at their best, and it got on them, it bothered them, and they tried harder, and it messed with their head, and we weren't getting a ton of production from them as we're used to. And we're very, very spoiled because they produce all the time, but on the big stage, they wanted to be better. And it happened throughout postseason, and that wore on them. But what's great about these guys is they're smart and they learn lessons and they know how to not allow that in on their head, in their head as we go forward, and you can feel that. They're very loose. They're very confident. They look very strong at the plate. And the hope and trust is that it's going to remain that way throughout 
whether they come through or not, I just don't want to see them look different. And as of right now, throughout the entire season, they have been very, very steady. So I'm excited for them because they made those adjustments and they're very strong mentally right now. And I like that. I didn't mention Shay Knighton, and there's a reason, because I don't know if I've ever seen Coach a tougher player. And by that I mean she takes the foul ball off the face. She plays the next day in the field. And then I noticed on, what was it, Saturday night, she's over at first base and she's no longer wearing the face mask in the field anymore. I mean, and she's starting to, to get things really clicking at the plate. You've been patient, obviously, through injuries and how you've used her, but... Man, she is tough, isn't she? She is, and my heart breaks for Shay because she is such a good player, and injuries has taken a little bit of that away from her. But she will never use it as an excuse, ever. And her and I have become a little bit closer from this. Uh, we understand each other. I trust her. I'll listen to her. Sometimes she wants in so bad that I know that she's not telling me the truth because I can just look at her face and know what she's feeling now. But she's been dealing with this for four years, and what she has accomplished through all this is absolutely amazing. She should. Uh, she is the face of what a hero looks like or a selfless team player looks like. And when she's taking herself out of the game – she is the one in the dugout that is keeping the energy up and alive, and she she is more excited when she's in the dugout for what the team is doing on the field than when she's on the field. So I've seen Shay grow into just an incredible woman, um, her character, her person, everything about her, and what's really exciting is that she's going into coaching, and one day she's going to be coaching some young athletes who get to you know experience this as she is their leader and I'm really excited about that I want to go a little off-road in here just for a second because in in freshman Grace Green who I, I think is just the next big time player and Grace Lyons by the way I'm going to say the same thing who I think coach is the next big time player you also have uh, what three four other freshmen that aren't necessarily everyday contributors you know Kinsey Kelso mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen her at times. Audrey LaValle hit her first home run in AIM. Sammy Skelly is a pinch hitter. And then Brooke Vestal is redshirting. Have you seen them, the, the four that maybe aren't necessarily getting the time, are they as engaged and are they sponging as much knowledge as you need for them to to be prepared to be the next leaders of this program? I think they are. And this is the right year to be on this team if you want to be a sponge, because (laughs) there's a lot of information, a lot of knowledge, and a lot of experience that's about to graduate here or leave this program. So they are, it's tough for these freshmen to live in the world that this team lives in. It's such a huge jump to uh, live in a world where there's not a lot of mistakes, there's more clutch than not. And I think sometimes these young freshmen try to be that. And again, the key is not trying so hard. And it's hard to understand that when you're in those moments and you're like, I got to do, I got to No, You don't. And when you, you know, it's, it's a lot of that that goes on in our game because there's, 
you think about how much we don't move in our sport, whether it's us or baseball. There's just not a lot of movement. There's more standing and non-movement. And, you know, if you're in a sport that's running constantly, you probably don't have a lot of time to sit and think about what's going on. Right. So this is more of a thinking game than a moving game. And that's one thing that freshmen really need to learn. Those two that are in the lineup have learned that pretty quickly, although it does get on them a little bit. And the more they're with this team, and I think when we go into postseason, they're really going to see what it looks like to be free, even when the lights are the brightest. And that's what I really need and want them to learn. Two more quick ones, and I'll let you go. I've been trying to put my finger on this, and maybe you can help me out. And this isn't anything against prior teams. This is my fourth year that I've done this with you, Coach, every trip, every game. This seems to be one of the more loose, laid-back, fun groups. Now, maybe we can give credit to having a Kalani Ricketts on board. Uh, DJ and Kyle have great personalities. Jen Roach is fun. I mean, but, I mean, what – do you feel that too? It just this this whole group seems to be having a blast. I know it helps when you're winning thirty odd games in a row, coach. But have you noticed <laughs> that as well too? That they're just having fun. This whole crew is. Yeah, and it started from you know probably it wasn't so much this at the beginning of the season because we were still trying to find our way. But I'd say within the last. Two months or so. Yes, um, I've seen a different team, especially as we uh, started going through Big Twelve. I just felt this—I don't know—the word I use, whether it's right or wrong, is is kind of invincible. I, I feel like they get on the field, and it's like, let's go, let's go. <laughs> what you got? What you got? You know, and they just do their thing, and it's the way they all work with each other and there's there's no distractions for them there's nobody griping there's none of that it's just all engaged where they're all you know pulling on the same rope so to speak where they're you know they're just all in it together and you feel that and it's i i'd like to say i believe that every one of them are in that same place but it's it's this invincible attitude of bring it on. What do you got? And um, I don't know. It's indescribable. I don't know how to describe it except these seniors are phenomenal. Yeah, and I and they set the tone. And then finally, I'll let you go on this. And I, I mentioned all the freshmen, but I didn't talk about Grace Lyons. Through some of the maybe I think it's fair to say struggles she might have at times at the plate, there is one thing that has never disappointed, and that is her glove. And, Coach, it seems as if it's always been a freshman that stepped up at that position at shortstop uh, if it was Kelsey during her freshman year. But, man, I don't, I don't know if I've seen many as smooth as Grace Lyons. Well, it happened because I showed her old videos of myself in college. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, not even close. She is such a natural athlete and was groomed to be – a big time. If she was a guy right now, and I hate to say this, but she would have been drafted very early and making tons of money if she chose that direction. She is that good. Um, her hitting is going to come, and I know it Agreed. is. And it, it's really um, impressive when a freshman can come in like Grace 
screen and be hitting fifth in a very strong hitting lineup. But I know Grace Lyons is going to get it, and that's the only thing that she's missing to be one of the most complete players ever. Strong arm, moves fast, good instincts, great gloves. Um, that's the only thing she needs to, you know, arrive. And I know she's going to get there, but she's been groomed in baseball since she's been a kid. And I, I, I don't know if you've shared this or not, but her boyfriend of a long time, they've been together, they grew up and they were the middle infield for the little league team. <laughs> <laughs> she was a shortstop and he was a second baseman. He was a, he was a shortstop when she came on board. They moved him to second. Said you're our shortstop. <laughs> so there's middle infield love going on right there. Uh, and, and he's in the Rangers organization now yes. too, right? <laughs> yes. So coach apparently is a hitting coach or for the Padres. So yeah, yeah she's she's been groomed to be phenomenal defensively but i'm really excited about her future yeah me too i was i was joking because you've used sid a couple of times in the short at shortstop late in the game and sid shared a story in the post game that when they all first came on campus you said go to your position and everyone went to shortstop so it's uh <laughs> it's kind of cool to see just the talent that we have potentially at that position for years yeah. to come and i said sid really go to your position <laughs> It's not. Go to third. You're the the best, Coach. Uh, I appreciate your time, and I'll see you uh, on Friday afternoon. Should be fun. Sounds good. Thanks, Plank. All right, later, Coach. Head Coach Patty Gasso of the Oklahoma Sooner softball team. So, again, we'll be on the air today at 145 or Friday, depending on when you consume this, if you're listening on a Thursday night when it dropped. Uh, 145 pregame show, and then 730 first pitch. Now, remember – the games in the Big 12 tournament are not being played at Hall of Fame Stadium. It's it's in the facility, but it's on the two auxiliary field. In fact, uh, Sooners, there's been a handful of games during the Big 12 tournament that have actually been played there before in the past. But uh, because construction is not complete, you uh, will just have to kind of tough it out a little bit. And we say that, no knock. It's nobody's fault. They're just behind on construction. But it's the weather. It's the Oklahoma weather who you can point your finger at on this one. So two games today and hopefully a championship game on Saturday in the Big 12 tournament. All right, speaking of championship mindsets, the OU men's tennis team got it done in College Station, eliminating Texas A&M and moving on in the postseason for a Sweet 16 round of 16 showdown with Wake Forest. Nick Kroll joins us the head coach of the men's tennis team. And, Coach, before we look ahead to Wake Forest, how proud are you of the gutty effort this team showed in rallying to eliminate Texas A&M and move on last weekend in College Station? Well, we've, you know, we've been putting the work in all year long, and uh, this team, uh, more than any team I've ever been around, deserves those wins uh, just for the adversity. And, the, and uh, you know, we've, we've, we've faced a lot of tough matches this year, and we had a lot of tough tough close losses that we felt like we could have should have won and and uh we never gave up hope and we just kept working and we got better and we had two weeks to prepare for that and uh we knew arizona was going to be a really tough first round in fact on paper it was kind of maybe the toughest first round in the tournament with two versus two and three seeds and our guys played really well and got a 4-0 victory thought it was like one of our best matches of the year and then i think it just gave our guys a ton of confidence and we had played a&m 4-3 uh about six or eight weeks before and and we knew if we could just turn that doubles point we'd be right in right in the match and and that's exactly what happened and uh 
you know, it came down to Mason Byler at the end there. A youngin. Take us through, in that situation, in that moment, what was your message to him? What was kind of your charge to him? And what was arguably, Coach, the biggest moment of the season? Yeah, definitely. You know, he's been in that moment a couple of times this year, and he had some opportunities to close some guys out and, and uh, early early in the season. And, and I thought he learned from those moments, and we had kind of talked to him in those moments early in the season, like, hey, you're going to get another chance. You're going to get another chance. And, uh, your time's coming. And, and I think the thing he learned the most was he had to continue to stay aggressive. And, and that's what he did. I mean, he got down, and every time he got down, he just played more aggressive and took it to the guy and uh, – he just wanted to play his game the whole time and, uh, you know, fighting against the crowd and on the road uh, for a freshman was an unbelievable experience and just really proud that he was able to, to come through there. Hey, uh, Nick, I educated myself a little bit on this because I found it intriguing that you guys left yesterday, when, in, as obviously Wednesday as, as we're talking, on, you guys left on yeah. a Tuesday for a, for a Friday match. But can you kind of take me through a little bit the decision and, and, the, and the process behind that? Because it has a lot to do with what familiarity with the courts and kind of the bounce you're going to get. That's right. That's right. You know, the environment's so important uh, when you go and play on the road. Uh, in tennis, all the courts play different, uh, different, uh, different weather, all, all different things. And, you know, we knew we wanted to practice uh, on Wednesday and Thursday, and I didn't want to have any delays in travel getting up here leaving Wednesday morning. So I was like, you know what, let's just, let's just leave on Tuesday. And we ended up getting in here around 11 o'clock last night. You guys got, kind of got to sleep in a little bit, and we're actually heading out to practice right now. We'll practice twice today, and then, you know, we'll practice once tomorrow uh if any guys want a second hit we'll do that tomorrow and then we'll even hit again uh friday morning around 11 and then we'll be ready to go for the match at four o'clock so by the time we play the match we'll have hit five or six times on these courts and and our guys will be really comfortable uh at texas a&m we did the same thing and uh we also played them early in the season so when we played a&m the second time it was the 13th time of the year we'd hit on those courts so we we felt like those were our courts yeah, and, and again, it's so funny because, like I said, I follow the sport when I get to talk to you, Nick. I want to do more tennis matches. I love it. I get so fired up about it. But that's something a, a lot of fans probably wouldn't be familiar with because the guys need to be familiar with it. I mean, look, I watch the, the French Open. I watch Wimbledon. I understand the difference between clay and grass. But even if it's just, say, a regular surface court, it's going to be a different yeah. hop in different parts of the country or different bounce, I should say. That's right. That's right. At Texas A&M, they had the courts really slow, and uh, we would say gritty, and and uh, ball doesn't get through the court very fast. And we got a bunch of big hitters, so uh, it took it took our guys a little time to get used to those courts. And you know, I think playing early in the year on them really helped us know what to expect. And 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 it was really hot in College Station, so uh, getting up there a couple of days early, just getting used to the humidity and the heat, really really paid off for us. And it's gonna be hot up here at Wake Forest too, so. You know, last weekend's really helping us get ready for this weekend. Hey, uh, two more quick ones before I let you go. We had an opportunity yesterday on Spotlight to watch the feature of Ferran Calvo, and I had no idea. I had no idea everything he had gone through, Coach, uh, from the, the, the hearing issues to, to losing his mom to when he was at JUCO. They, they didn't realize that he, or maybe when he was younger, they didn't realize that he, he, he had the hearing issue. They thought he wasn't understanding things. And then what you guys have been able to do to help that here with the hearing aid. I mean, 
what an incredible story of perseverance. And, oh, yeah, Nick, he's put together an incredible two-year career here at Oklahoma since transferring in from Tyler Jr. Yeah. College. He, he's an unbelievable player and, and unbelievable athlete. Uh, and then, you know, to come through the adversity that he's faced over his career and, you know, moving to a new country and, and everything like that, it's really, a, really an unbelievable story. He's going to end up graduating uh, next year and, you know, finishing off his career here and, and uh, hoping to keep it going here at Wake Forest and, and get to the final site there in Orlando. So, yeah, Ferran's a great guy. He stepped up his leadership a lot, uh, a lot more vocal in the locker room and just, just helping leading our guys. We've got three great seniors, and uh, they've, done, they've done a wonderful job here uh, at the end of the year. All right, a final thought. Uh, Wake Forest, good team, one of the best in the country. What's kind of the, uh, the expectations, and do you change anything up with the lineup coming up on uh, Friday? You know, um, you know, we found some found the lineup that's kind of clicking for us a little bit. Our doubles is really – we're playing good right now, and, and we've got a lot of confidence. We feel like uh, the doubles point's going to be really big, obviously, against Wake Forest. And, uh, you know, they've got some spots in the lineup that we feel like we're going to – we're going to win, and, and then they've got some really good players that we, we know our guys can beat. So uh, we feel like it's a great matchup for us and just really looking forward to uh, playing on the road. We're, we feel like road warriors right now and uh, taking two at A&M and then you know, basically going home for a day and a half, and now we're going to spend four or five days out here at Wake Forest. So uh, we're excited for this opportunity and going to get to work here in about 15 minutes. So it's going to be fun. Uh, Coach, I know that you're heading to practice. I probably kept you a little bit too long, but I really appreciate you coming on. Good luck against Wake Forest on Friday, man. We can't wait to follow along and hopefully chat again about moving on uh, next week. All right. Sounds good. We'll, uh, we'll look forward to it. Talk to you soon. You're the man. Oklahoma leads the all-time series against Wake Forest, having won five of their eight matchups. The last time these two teams met was 2017. Wake Forest Won that showdown. Things will get going on Friday at 3 p.m. as Oklahoma squares off against North against Wake Forest in North Carolina in the NCAA tournament round of 16. All right, let's wrap things up talking about Sooner baseball. It was a bit of a tough weekend for the Oklahoma Sooner baseball team as they were swept by Texas Tech. Assistant coach Clay Van Hook joins us on the podcast. And coach, looking back, have you kind of seen the bounce back you would want to see from this team after the tough weekend preparing for Oklahoma State this weekend. Yeah, I mean, when you when you look at the grand scheme of our season, that that was really the first time all year where where we just didn't feel like we played a sooner brand of baseball. Obviously, there's been weekends where we where we didn't, you know, we lose two out of three to a Baylor, a TCU, West Virginia, but it's it's solid clubs and we didn't really play bad. We just didn't play good enough to win. So, so for us, it's about you know kind of getting back to to what has made us uh, successful so far this year. And and to be honest, to to get to get guys ready for Bedlam, that's that's not really hard to do. So uh, the guys are kind of chomping at the bit to get back after it, and we'll, we'll see what happens this weekend. You know, I've, I've talked about this a lot, Clay, and I mean, obviously, I, I get to travel with the softball team, and I see how almost all-consuming the video element can be and the analytic side of things. For you, you, you put together the offensive game plan. How much has the, I guess, addition of flight scope and different entities like the 
the iPad ability to, to, to almost immediately you look back at swings and approaches. How has that helped you guys, and how do you avoid paralysis by analysis? Yeah, I think you're looking at it in terms of just sports in general, but especially in baseball. I mean, there's so many different things that we utilize from, you know, watching our own guys and their swings and approaches, watching uh, opposing teams in terms of scouting reports. You're looking at uh, positioning, um, you know, when you're on defense, how, how you pitch guys, how certain guys are going to pitch you. And I, I think you see you see the advantages of it. The, the preparation aspect of it is is obviously really good. But, but like you said, sometimes it, it almost gets to be a little bit too much where they don't keep it so free and easy and they start to overthink at the plate, on the mound, in the field where they're so worried about where they need to position or what pitch they should be throwing instead of just kind of stick into what what's really going to make you successful i think it's i think it's really helped it's 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 helped in all aspects it's helped in you know it helps in recruiting it helps in scouting reports it helps in in the development of of your own players and i think it's only going to get i think it's only going to get better um you know once you can you know because now it's starting to filter into kids when they're in high school when they're you know, growing up, so so kids are starting to get used to it more. But there's so many different entities that that I think is going to help. Uh, you know, obviously with with player development in the long run. Speaking of player development, I, I don't know Clay in my time if I've seen someone who has developed more from day one that he stepped on campus to what he is today than Brandon Zara goes. I mean, a day one starter at shortstop, he's on the watch list for the Brooks Wallace Award. Uh, he's he's reached base in 21 consecutive games. How much of a foundational piece is it to have a guy that not only can defend the way that he does and feel the way that he does at shortstop, but what he started to provide at the plate? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for me, you know, people always say, man, man your, your infield defense is really good. And I'm like, well, I, when you've got Z out there at shortstop, <laughs> it's pretty easy because, he, you know, like I, there's sometimes I'll look out there and, 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 and a lot of times I don't even have to position guys because he's already he's already got it done. We you know when you go through the lineup one time he's reading swings he's and he's not real. It, it's really interesting. He's not real like a real vocal guy, but he's but he commands that hey you need to be here here hey this is where I'm gonna be and it's almost like they they do it just by looking at each other you know and he's I think it's really helped too you know when when we when we moved him down in, in the seven hole and. And, and I think that gave him a little bit of, of comfort because he's almost he's almost that kind of that that extra fire starter down at the bottom of the lineup, and I, I think that's what what's really hopefully is going to help our offense continue to go once we get those guys in the middle to uh, to continue to, to get after it and, and and have some some more quality at bats. But you know, like I said, Z's he's been a pretty much a mainstay here for for a couple of years, and and for me as an infield guy, it makes my job easier because. I know when it's hit to him nine times out of ten, you're probably going to be out. And and he puts in the time and the effort, and he's just he's just been a really solid ball player for this university for a couple of years. And speaking of that, on on the other side of it, right there on the left side with him, Bradley Ware, I, I know that there's been some frustration for Briley over the last couple of games, but you know, what's kind of been your message to him to kind of keep him positive and keep him upbeat, and not let him get necessarily too down on himself? I mean. It's really hard because, uh, you know, Skip tells the story that when his first year here that, you know, Bradley was looking a little bit down and Skip was like, what's wrong? He's like, well, I'm, I'm only I'm only hitting 375. And Skip was like, Are you kidding me? He's like, well, coach, I've never hit below 400 in my life. You know, and so so when you have that sort of expectation, it's it's really hard. I mean, 
most guys would dream to have the year he's having. And right. and for him, it's like the other day he goes, you know, looks at me, he's like, man, what do I need to do to get a hit? I said, brother, that's baseball. I said, it's, <laughs> it's the most frustrating thing that, 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 I mean, we chose the game and, and it's, I mean, he'll smoke two balls of center field and they get caught. He hit the ball the other day that if it's hit two feet to the left or right of third baseman, it's a double. And he smokes it right at the guy and, and, and it ends up being a fielder's choice. And I, it's just so hard baseball and softball because of the expectation of, of the batting average and all that. And a guy that's had so much success. And like I said, it's a down year for him is a, is a good year for most everybody else. And, and I think once he, once he starts to get back to just being Briley and not trying to get the hits, that's when he's going to, and, and we know how Briley can be. He could be on a, uh, a little bit of a slump for two weeks and then go out and get 10 hits on a weekend. And that's yeah. and that's baseball in a nutshell. I mean, you could you could struggle for four months and then get hot for the last two or three weeks, and that's that's where we're hoping you know over the next couple of weeks that we'll get, because this is this is basically our our season. You know, we've got a bedlam this weekend. We got the horns next weekend. You know, we we play well. We're we're, we're going to be where we want to be, and we just got to get back to to doing that and just trying to play well. Hey, Clay, two quick ones, and then I'll let you go. And I think you hit on something right there. Everything is laid out in front of you. But I love to hear that story about uh, uh, Brady because, or excuse me, Briley, because essentially, you know, most people say, ah, 275, listen, maybe I've had a couple of errors, but this is going to be okay. He's driven to do better. This whole team, I, I mean, you guys have an incredibly positive outset with uh, outlook with that teaching mindset. So I guess the question here is, you know, this team is, there's no daubers that are down. There's no uh, heads that are staring down at the floor right now. This team's positive. They feel like they can get it done, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, you look at, you know, if you if you look up and you say we're 30 and 18 and we're right in the thick of it in Big 12, not, nine times out of 10 years, you, you would take that. And that's that's what we have to understand is we've played some really good baseball and we've been on the cusp of, of turning a couple of those L's into W's. And, and, and the one thing with baseball it's so hard to do is you can't, you can't be so consumed with your last at-bat, your last pitch, and your last game because – Let's be honest. We get to play a lot. You get you get a lot of at bats. You get a lot of pitches. And if you're dwelling on that, this this game will, will chew you up and spit you out. And and what's what's positive? It's like here's where we are, and we get three games for Bedlam, and we get to go down to Austin, and three games against the Horns. If you can't get excited about that and say positive about that, man, we're in the wrong line of business because this is this is the best time of the year. And so, especially in baseball, you can't dwell on on what's happened previously. You got to continue to keep going forward because. There's a lot of pitches, there's a lot of at-bats, there's a lot of plays, and there's still quite a few games that, that still have to be played. And so we've got we've to make sure that we keep that positive mindset and, and be able to get our guys to get after it the next two weeks. Yeah, I'll let you go on this. How impressed have you been with the way that Tanner Treadway has attacked? I mean, uh, here's a guy that's been the, the, one of the best hitters in Big 12 play and has just really taken advantage of an opportunity, hasn't he? Yeah, and it's the frustrating thing is his first game of the year, he, he, he kind of banged up his shoulder a little bit. And I think that it, it was an injury that didn't really, and it's not an excuse, but it's an injury that that kind of took him a little bit off his game. And I think he's just now getting his health back, um, you know. But he's a guy. I mean, heck, he hit you know almost 500 last year in junior college. He can really run, and and heck, he's been he's been a really good center fielder. Guy's never played the outfield in his life before this year, you know. But he can really run. He's got a good arm, um, you know. He's a guy that's 
that's really been a, a spark plug for us. And, and the unique thing is, you know, where, where do you move him? He's been the spark plug there at the bottom of the lineup. You know, do you move him back to the top? I think it's, I think it's a situation now where, where his health and, and, you know, once he gets on the bases, he's a, he's a force to be reckoned with. He's arguably our best runner. And, and, uh, you know, we're, we're really happy with, with where he's been, but I think just getting him healthy again has, has really helped his, his game step up. And, and it's shown over, over the last couple of weeks in big 12 play start times for this weekend as follows for OU baseball against Oklahoma state in Bedlam, Tulsa peeps, nine, one, eight, let's go pack one Oak field. Paint it crimson and cream. Seven o'clock first pitch tonight. Seven o'clock first pitch in Oklahoma City, Chickasaw Bricktown Ballpark, and then on Sunday in Norman, the final regular season home game of 2019. It's a two o'clock first pitch for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Thanks to Clay Van Hoek. Thanks to Nick Kroll, and thanks to Patty Gasso. As always, please subscribe at Soonersports.tv slash podcast and share it on social media. And make sure you're following us at OU on the Air and at Sooner Sports TV. Enjoy what we hope is a championship weekend. And until Tuesday's edition of the Game Plan, Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.